The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. You are tuning into The Element, and we are here on News Talk Saga 960 AM. It is a beautiful Saturday. It is sunny. It is 20. Joe Biden is one. I think it doesn't get better than that. There's a lot of things I cannot say because we're on air, but you know that song? (laughs) Yeah, we know that song. (laughs) You know about Donald Trump? I was coming in singing it, that song. Hey, Thumbin, how do you feel? I feel good. But my question to you is, are you happy that Trump lost or are you happy that Biden won? What are you more happy about? I'm not happy. Okay. All right. Since we're getting into this, I am happy Trump lost. Yes. Um, Do I think Joe Biden is the best candidate for president? No. Um, Me wanting Joe Biden to win wasn't because I totally believe in the Democratic Party. I do think the Democrats need to be scrutinized just as much as the Republicans have been, because at the end of the day, both political parties have their own agenda and their agenda doesn't necessarily include um, abolishing systemic racism, although they say it does because Democratic presidents have been in positions of power where they were may have been able to do this for a long time and they haven't done so. I do think the Democrats do, they do say a lot of things in order to gain votes. So, I mean, I'm happy Trump lost because at the end of the day, I do understand that both political parties have some level of corruption in them. I do understand that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. However, Trump and the way he articulated himself and his blatant racism caused a lot of problems all over the world. It wasn't just a necessarily like a United States issue. Like it was an issue, it created racism within our own country. Bro, I don't think I told you this. The other day, I was walking my dog in the morning before I went to work and someone was at us uh, at the in their cars at a red light and as I passed them by there was someone's like where there is two people in two different cars that are speaking to each other and one guy's like where and the other one's like oh Mexican and then they started laughing and yeah true story true story you, you this is your brother this is me, me bro this is, this is Hamilton I was walking my no. dog in Hamilton true story literally happened two days ago I got a little triggered because I was like first of all um, this clearly just showcases that you've been nowhere and you've not traveled and you are not cultured to assume that second of all what is your beef with Mexicans only only reason any Canadian I would imagine having any beef with Mexicans is due to the racism in the United States of America so it just goes to show that that the things that Trump says and the things that he does doesn't only influence people in his own country. It influences us over here, too, and influences people all over the world. A.K. the one um, I actually I tweeted about this the other day, and that was uh, the Trump administration. And they signed this 
they basically signed the Geneva Consensus, Consensus Declaration, and that was an anti-abortion declaration with Brazil, Egypt, Egypt, Indonesia, Indonesia, Uganda, uh, Saudi Arabia. A lot of these places where secret where security forces are currently trying to suppress a woman-led protest. So tr- the Trump administration is affecting a lot of uh, race issues and women issues and gay rights issues. Yes. Um, every in the world so I am happy that Trump lost alright I'm uh, ecstatic as well you know F D F T what's it called F T F D T F D T look that song up on Apple Music guys F D T you'll know what it means and um, but before we dive into the show, we have a great show that is lined up for us today. And um, we're going to be we're super excited to have on Stephen. But before we dive into that, we want to quickly do our land acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the work of the element takes place on traditional indigenous territories of the Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, and most recently the territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit. This territory is part of the Dish with One Spoon Treaty, an agreement between the Anishinaabeg, Haudenosaunee, and allied nations to peacefully share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. This territory is also covered by the Upper Canada Treaties. Today, to Toronto, the traditional Mohawk name of this area called Toronto, which means a gathering place, um, and its surrounding areas are still home to Indigenous people, and we are grateful to have the opportunity to meet, work, and play on this territory as settlers. We wish to express gratitude to Mother Earth and for the resources we are using, and honor all the First Nation, Métis, and Inuit people who have been living on this land since time immemorial. We are committed to learning, unlearning about our community's complacency and ongoing settler colonialism, while recognizing our work to advance social justice must center Indigenous communities and their ongoing diverse lived experiences across Turtle Island, also called Canada. That And uh, that being said, uh, at the cornerstone of it, that's what remains. And going off of what you said, even about, you know, Biden and Trump, I think more people are excited that Trump lost. And I think that um, I, I also tweeted about it right before um, mm-hmm. like right before coming on, um, like air as well earlier today when we found out that Biden won, that the work isn't done. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, um, it's okay to celebrate the defeat of Trump, but get up off of your hammock. There's still so much work to be done. There's still like the resistance. We still have to continue. We still have to fight it. We still have to do all of this. But, um, coming back from break, we have an exciting guest on. We're going to have on Stephen Tour, who is a co-director of, uh, you know, a feature documentary that has won multiple awards, Uproar. And uh, it's won the Phoenix Award. It's won the Montreal uh, Film Festival Award. So uh, we'll come back and we'll jump into a conversation with him. And so uh, stay tuned. You guys are listening to The Element here on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. And we'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You are tuned into The Element here on News Talk Saga 960 AM. And um, we're going to jump into the conversation. And, uh, you know, we're just uh, here in the studio. It is 2 p.m. We are The Element. We have changed. If you haven't heard us, uh, now you're tuning in and we hope you enjoy us. You guys can reach out to us on our Instagram, which is The Element, T-H-E-E-L-E-M-N-T. And our now active Twitter, which is also T-H-E-E-L-E-M-N-T. No E in the mint. Um, that being said, uh, Grijoth and I have an exciting guest on with us, uh, Stephen. Stephen, how are you today? Good, guys. How have you guys been? 
We are well. How are you? Calling in all the way from Calgary. How is the situation from with Berta. COVID? <laughs> <laughs> all the way down from Berta, from the West Coast. Yeah, you guys have already been hit with the snow, right? Yeah, man. We I think uh, Toronto's always had a little bit better weather. I think when I was living in Brampton, it was still sunny all the way till like November, mid-November-ish. And it's, even when it started to get cold, it was only like zero, zero to like five degrees max. Um, here, I think we hit like minus 10, like minus 15, even in September. And it was snowing in September. So it's been a little bit cold. It's it's on and off. I think it's just warmed up again, too. So I don't know. We get hit with snow and then it warms up again. It's a little bit. Uh, Calgary weather is unpredictable. That's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Damn, darn it. <laughs> um, yeah, um, uh, good job. It's 20 degrees here, so I'm so sorry that you're experiencing that. But everybody in the Peel region, we are enjoying this weather. We are enjoying the fact, I mean, I am personally enjoying the fact that Trump lost, although there's still two states that have to finish um, counting the votes, but Joe Biden is at 290, whereas Donald Trump is at two fourteen. Stephen, can you give me your thoughts on that? Uh, so I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not, I haven't been tuned in too too much. I just saw the news where they announced that Biden's like the what do they call it? President elect. When they're like um, pretty much still counting votes, but they have like a they have like a gauge on like this person's probably gonna win. Um, I think it's exciting. Like change is always. I'm always for progressive change. So to see the changes to come to light with Biden in charge, especially, I think, given the sort of climate and, and environment around um, talks on racism and discrimination, especially in the States, um, there's a huge momentum moving right now. And mm-hmm. I think being on that wave and being young people is, like, super exciting to see that. So um, I hope there's, uh, this is my hope, that with Biden in, in charge, that there's more support, there's more uh, infrastructure, there's more foundation given, and spotlights and, and awareness brought to these topics. And um, and even just seeing a lot of the activists coming out from the states, it seems like um, the movement's kind of been moving really, really, really uh, strongly, and it hasn't really faded at all since it first started in the summer. So, um yeah, I'm super excited to see. There's a lot of implications that come out of these elections, but um, I think I don't know what you guys think about uh, all the lawsuits and stuff coming out. Like, I don't. I think the scary thing for me is like, what happens if Trump just doesn't leave? You know what I mean? Like, if that just, like, that is a nah, tr- that's a nah, true fear. <laughs> that that is quite the possibility, right? The Republicans. He's been contesting. If anybody follows Trump on Twitter, I follow him. I, I'll say it. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. I'd like to see what he tweets. He's very entertaining. He is very entertaining. He is very entertaining. But Twitter itself now has like their own type of like restrictions. So if any tweet does has like false information or whatever on it, it'll like highlight that and I'll block it. Which like if you go through Trump's Twitter feed, it's like every other tweet is like blocked by Twitter, which I think is hilarious. But yeah, you're right. Um, He's been contesting it. Um, I don't think he's is going to consider seed and there's going to be a whole lot more to see right now but question yeah. to you is and i know we're going to talk about like uh, the documentary we're going to talk about bill 21 do you think the president like trump had an influence on such bills to even be passed in canada in the first place
first place because I kind of highlighted this earlier and how I thought like his the way he speaks and the way he's so blatantly racist I genuinely believe that's had an impact on Canadians and other citizens other people of just white supremacy in general around the world do you think that him being in a position of power it contributed in any way why a bill like bill 21 was even passed I think so I think first of all it's a super difficult question I think I think that he could have had had an influence indirectly on like the um, CAQ government like being passed through in Quebec, um, like they came in a similar time frame as Trump did, right? Like, so I think he might have given way to this sort of loud and proud narratives on, um, like just being super bold when it comes to speaking out in terms of when, like, like when you're speaking on on topics that surround race and. Um, I don't know, like, one example, I think we, because of so much has happened, like, we forget that it wasn't, like, there was, like, so many things that um, we kind of just, it passes over our mind, but um, for a moment, there was, like, a Muslim ban in America, and I can't, don't fully quote me on this, but there was, like, a, there was this whole thing around, like, immigration with Muslims and, like, keeping them from coming to America, and I know yeah. that didn't stay around for a long, and immigration continued with, um, after that, after that whole moment, but just it seemed as though the narratives that were being put out there were um, very harmful to a lot of uh, ethnic minority communities because there's such a bold stance that you wouldn't normally see someone mm-hmm. in a in a stat in that status in that presidential status in that power in that seat make claims and statements like that, right? So um, it definitely gave way to. Um, Other political leaders have, to do yeah, that, and right? like and pe- like just people having a, a more like a louder stance when it comes to um, racism and discrimination. Like it, it, it sort of normalized it to a point where um, you know there's been a lot of my friends out in in Quebec that have been saying like they're noticing more hate crimes. They're, yeah. they're noticing more and more people um you know hollering and like heck like heckling them and like saying things out loud compared to previous you know 15 20 years of living in quebec so you know this is like it's it's um uh, he's kind of like every country's mascot every racist political leader and individuals kind of like mascot that they can kind of like that's why that's why india prays for him (laughs) but um on that note um steven we you you know talking about discrimination and talking about quebec and all that that's not it's nothing new there has been systemic discrimination and i want to play a really short clip from your trailer that you co um that you co-directed along with uh, Amrit Tint, uh, an amazing uh, documentary. I've watched it, and I I absolutely love it. Grijot loved it. it. You know, we we spoke about our emotional reactions to it, and um, I'm quickly. Thank you guys so much. No, uh, phenomenal that. work. Uh, we're gonna quickly play a uh, a clip, and we'll come right back. French Constitution, the country of France, in principle only exists because people who look like me helped during World War I to save France from extinction. And how do we do it? We did it simply with our turbans on to defend 
the territory, the laws, the constitutions of France, which are now in turn being used against us. How sad. Like if you can't leave these symbols at home to, to do your eight hours of a judge or, or become a judge, then how can we trust you to become be unbiased at work? As a, a, a representative of the state, to represent the law and only the law, right. how can you do that if you aren't even able to take your cross off, take your kippa off, right. you know? If these personal convictions are so strong, which they are for a lot of people, right. can we really expect someone to, to let that go when they become a police officer or a judge? I will not give up and I don't want to give up. Even me changing my number is just something so bizarre. You can take the Quebecer out of Quebec, but you can't take like the Quebecer out of the girl. So Stephen, uh, that was just a yep. little clip of the actual film in itself um, of uh, of the trailer, and you have two different perspectives that are spoken on, and uh, you have Prabhdeep Nagra who talks about um, the importance of the Sikh identity, and then you have this uh, random kid Sebastian who talks about the opposite of it, and he brings up some points that he might find valid, but can easily be critiqued and broken down. Um, but so for those of who don't know, uh, Bill 21 is um, it's a bill that uh, was uh, promised during the 2018 election campaign. And the government had tabled Bill 21 um, and actually made it into a law. So and this law basically bans public workers in positions of authority from wearing religious symbols, specifically while they're on duty. So this um, impacts a bunch of people with, you know, with we're talking about turbans, we're talking about hijabs, kippahs, um, all like anything that is visually uh, that could is, you know, religious is banned. And um, my question to you is, uh, obviously, you were in Brampton when I remember you had started making the documentary. I want to ask you, what was the thought process before you started uh, making the documentary? Yeah, so I'll give a little bit of background on like, why we started this project. Because um, initially what happened was I just sort of, I actually at the, um, the youth um, via rail pass. And like, I mean, you know, it's like every time... <laughs> I was going to, outside of going to class, like for my for school, I was literally on the train going to like either Montreal, Ottawa, or Toronto. Like those were like three cities I was constantly going to. Um, and originally when I first came, moved to Ontario, I actually just went out to Quebec um, just to explore, go see the community and like just meet people. And, um, and I had a lot of mutual friends there that um, I connected with and just, like I, I started to build like a sense of um, uh, like I started identifying like I started seeing the struggles that the community was going through there um, just by meeting some of the folks out there. So initially, before we even like get into the thought process of starting a documentary, like I had just met um, people from the community that were struggling with the bill, um, and I think the biggest observation that I could have made was that the community was fatigued. They were so burnt out from constantly protesting and going out and, and you know, constantly putting themselves out there to be like, 
um, this bill is racist, this bill is affecting us, you know, disproportionately, and just constantly going out and protesting and, and trying to counteract this bill. And um, I almost felt like it, it's almost a responsibility and like a, and a you know, like something as, as like a community member and like someone who's passionate about like um, advocacy to step in and try to help wherever I can, right? And so um, from my perspective, my skill set, is more of a from a as a creative was to use more of a creative medium to kind of gather all this um, these thoughts and perspectives and and understanding that I'm an outsider so like coming in with this perspective that working with the community understanding their uh, struggles from their perspectives and how they're going through is super super important so um, initially I thought you know like a film uh, even if it was like five minutes would have been very powerful to showcase this is what the community is going through. Cause it's one thing when you hear about things in the news and you know, like you constantly see it we saw it in like the elections and then, um, federal elections. And then it, it just becomes background noise, right? There's a certain point where you hear the story over and over again. Um, and, and about like the ban and the bill, it's almost like it, it, you get desensitized to it. So bringing out these narratives from people that actually live there and are deeply impacted by it, um, was super important to me. So, that's sort of the background for why we started that film. And immediately I reached out to Amrit because he's phenomenally talented. And um, I knew right away I wanted to partner and work with him on this film. So uh, as soon as I had his buy-in and, and you know, his his uh, full support behind the project, um, yeah, that's where, like, the journey really began. Me and Amrit went out, went out to Quebec a couple times. We filmed out there. We filmed in Brampton. We filmed in Vancouver. So filmed across Canada in multiple shoe locations and then, uh, edited and brought all the documentary together. But um, I think an important thing that you mentioned was that we had Sebastian in the film, and I was going to say it's actually super difficult to get someone who had the perspective supporting the bill, especially um, when they were being interviewed by two things also <laughs> were at the star and seven, right? And, like, and, and so that was like, I, as much as like, I, I guess I would disagree with Sebastian on his points, but I still commend him for coming in to with us and to interview with us and to show us his perspective because that's a perspective a lot of people hold, right? And so from my perspective of trying to see and understand why are people supporting this bill so much, it gave me an insight to a lot of um, a lot of the reasons why people were supporting this bill and, and where they were coming from. So um, I actually, I, I had a huge learning moment for myself because I didn't know about a lot of the history behind Quebec and then um, either for, I know there I, I know there's cultures and, and ways of being, but even France like that, I didn't know so much that I was learning from Pradeep, um, where you know the just the culture, the the history, and how things were. So um, even in, in Quebec, there was this huge wave of time where there was a quiet rev, like revolution, and um, and and there's like this this period of time where people were completely rejecting religion. So. Um, I, I think the the major point that I, I kind of took away from Sebastian's point was that people have this innate fear and um, they're scared of religion. And rather than trying to understand it and like see where multiple perspectives of different people are coming from, it's almost like it's easier to just shun it, like close it out and just completely get rid of it. And that way we don't have to deal with it. But I think the, the shortcomings of that is you're not recognizing the implications you're having for people of color 
for minorities and for people that are visibly outwardly displaying faith. And like, if we're being re- real here, I think there's only a very few minor groups, few groups that are really impacted by this. So if you're saying that you're creating, you know, secularism and, and separating the government and religion, you're really not. You're only separating people within a job, people with uh, the star or turban, um, people that outwardly are displaying their faith. You could easily still uh, practice and, 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 you know, believe in a faith without having these outwardly displayed, uh, displayed um, symbols of faith and, and not be objective in your, in your role. You know what I, mean? I totally like, so agree with like, that right there. That, I made this point. Still, yeah. I totally agree with you on that point in specific right there. This is exactly what me and Thumman were talking about right before we got here because I, I said, I was like, if people's religion doesn't just turn off when they go to a job yeah. just because you don't see them wearing an article of faith. Like our prime minister, I think he's Christian. He's not like, does that impact his role on being like a good prime minister? That's what you're saying. You're saying his religion right. is impacting it and he's being biased. But since he's not wearing anything that um, shows his article, like any type of article of faith, then all of a sudden it's turned off. It just doesn't make sense. Like, especially yeah. that, that comment that he made. But we have to right. go on a quick break and we'll be right back and we'll dive in even more to this. Guys, right. you are listening to The Element and we are on News Talk Saga 9. 60 a.m. and we'll be right back. guys welcome back this is the element and we're on news talk saga 960 am and we are having a discussion with steven they had a documentary that just dropped it's called uproar it's a discussion around bill 21 that was passed in quebec where um minorities that it's visible minorities pretty much that wear articles of faith they're unable to um, hold positions in the public sector and what I kind of want to touch on in the documentary Stephen you're still there right? Yes. Awesome. (laughs) Just making sure. Uh, I kind of want to touch on in the documentary it highlights how it's very important for young um kids to be able to see people in these positions of authority and know that there's a space for them. But when you take all of that away, this is the epitome of systemic racism. That means our next future, that future of Quebec, those next generations of students that are pursuing careers and um, pursuing, pursuing positions where they will be able to contribute to the economy and to society. They are unable to do so because of things such as not being able to wear the star or wearing a hijab or for, or for a kippah and for that matter. And uh, it's you're suppressing then your next generation of um Canadians and I don't to me I think it's very it's very important that you highlighted that because right now if you see in a lot of spaces in Canada this is what the people of our generation are fighting for we're trying to create that space we're trying to create like have our voices heard and it's almost as if we take two steps forward and then laws like this are passed which are pushing us 10 steps back do you I want to know your thoughts on how this contributes to systemic racism. Yeah, I think that was a super important part. Even in like the documentary, it wasn't even someone of color that mentioned that. It was, it was someone who was Caucasian, right? Like mm-hmm. I thought that was super powerful when these narratives were coming from people that were allies and they're recognizing it. Like they were the ones saying that, man, like 
seeing people of color in our in our communities and like growing up without these figureheads, without people that look like them in these positions, it's devastating. Um, not only for them and their communities, but for us as a as a community in general. So, yeah, I think that's it, it's super important, and it's it's one of those things where it it it, it's, it is very much racism at a systemic level. Um, because if you notice in BC, we have a, a core that's a Supreme Court judge and that's huge that's inspirational and there's a wave of young kids that are going into law pursuing these careers and seeing people that look like them that have you know grown up here in Canada that have experienced a similar um you know a background and 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 they them they were able to achieve these things but as soon as you don't see that representation it's almost like you're discouraged um yeah. by the system the way the system was made for who it was made at this is not for me. I can't do this, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, there's no way I could achieve this. And when it's when it's made into law, it's almost like it's it's become a fact mm-hmm. that you cannot become a judge. You cannot do these things. And so, um, it's it's tremendously heartbreaking to see that there is going to be a wave of young kids if this bill stays in place, um, where the community of Quebec will not have people of color with outwardly uh, symbols of faith in positions of of being a judge, a police officer, public prosecutor, there's um, being teachers. And I, and I think um, Amrit Gore's story in the film is super powerful. I, I think yeah. um, she I, outlines and highlights the importance the teacher has. And I know that growing up from my personal experiences, my teachers had a huge impact on how I how I grew up and, and the perspectives and thoughts that I, I eventually, you know, started um, taking on and, and my worldview and everything. And it, and it came from a sense of... Um, empowerment from our teachers and, and when their teachers are not reflective of our communities not reflective of where we're coming from it's super detrimental so yeah there there is a super there's a need for uh our next generations our future generations to be inspired by our leaders by our community leaders that have worked in these various fields um to, ins- to have have young kids be empowered to pursue a career as a judge as a police officer as a public prosecutor right so and if and you know what when what i personally look at this we have that cliche typical thing where in our culture you know you're forced to go into like dentistry or medicine or some of these professions because um they're outlined to be more successful and so at this point it becomes even more crucial to have people in these fields to show that you can be successful and become a teacher and be a powerful person in the community that's influential and empowering kids and and you know like is in these positions but um yeah the 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 next generation definitely depends um on our leaders that that come before us so uh, even both days and Dillo in the film highlights how in the 90s he went through a wave of racism and discrimination like unprecedented never before in canadian history where um you know there was people making pins and like calendars and this is of the times of the 90s so the the internet isn't as rampant then so uh people are like physically creating prop like propaganda being like go back camel jockeys go back to your country we don't want you here no turbans in the rcmp keep the RCMP Canadian. Um, and all these moments where he's literally had to fight and battle through and get to where he was. And I think his story is exemplary because he showed how, even though he was a sick, he rose to the rank of inspector, which is huge. That's massive. And like, he was such a phenomenal 
police officer, community leader, and did so many things in the community where uh, he was actively involved. And and she, and he's never had a single incident where his sick faith ever interfered with his work to be a police officer. And he makes strong points in the film where he says, you know, like, you can be objective. Like, what's stop? He's like, it's offensive if you tell me that I can't take an oath being like, I'm going to be objective simply because I'm, I'm wearing a turban. That's so offensive. Even as a, as a Canadian, like, um, you know, he's like, I'm proud to be Canadian. I'm proud to be um, in these communities of, 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 of diversity where he's able to work uh, with uh, South Asian communities more closely because he is also South Asian, right? So, um, yeah, I think yeah. That's, that's a super important point. And like it even goes like you see people like, you know, both Asian uh, on one end who are actually doing amazing things and are actually uh, who are fought through the system and stay true to the values. On the on the other hand, you have like, you know, Dr. Sanjeet Singh Sol- Solja, who on the beginning um, during COVID and at the beginning of COVID kind of went and do the, did this whole PR scheme in like Quebec setting setting back Bill 21 um, by shaving his beard and claiming that he's doing like a patriotic duty and like throwing others under the bus um others under the bus but what i do want to do is i want to um i want to ask you a question how do you feel that the sikh identity on canadian soil um like fighting for right like fighting for our rights on canadian soil almost how do you think it intersects with us being settlers i think um it definitely helps us sort of relate with other communities that are are struggling and and fighting similar battles. I think being uh, a son of immigrants, I I totally recognize the struggles that, you know, our parents had to go through to get here. And almost that, it's almost like our innate nature that, um, you know, social justice is ingrained in the very fabric of being a Sikh. So it doesn't matter if we were in India or if we were in Europe or if we were in Canada. Um, regardless, there's always um, work to have been done, and and to take a stand is very very important to who we are as a people. So I think that it's it's interesting to see that um, you do oftentimes see six being very vocal when it comes to um, indigenous rights or. or um, um, when the uh, Black Lives Movement started, there was a lot of Sikhs that were allies in that movement and started showing, um, you know, solidarity and, and coming together to show support. And, um, it, and it's interesting because um, as soon as you start building that solidarity, it, it starts from recognizing um, the struggles of other communities, the struggles of other people around you. And so um, I think in the very nature of, of, of a Sikh identity, of a Sikh history is, has been that all along, ever since the Sikh religion was, was established, it was established in the face of oppression and discrimination and, 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 a, and a rule of fearfulness. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's super important that we have our intersectionality and the way that it plays a role is, is, is uh, tremendous in how we advocate. And um, recognizing that, you know, we're, we're yes, we're Canadians, but we're also Sikhs. We're Punjabis. We're, we come from um, a land of of, of um, warrior um, warrior spirit. Where it's never been an easy path. It's literally always been a struggle, a constant, a battle. It's always been um, working towards a more just society, and it's it's always been that struggle. And so, 
bringing that energy and bringing those values here is super important. I think um, times have changed. They're, we're not, we're not on horseback anymore. We're fighting oppression with technology and creative arts and the way of times have changed and recognizing that is also important. So your artistic ability to be able to work on this documentary and have a conversation around around um, activism, I, I want to know, do you think that since the documentary has been um, released, there's been a discussion on both sides? Because sometimes we often, we want to create awareness. We want, like, as right. the element we want to do. And, but, however, we're just talking to people that are already, like, of our opinion, yeah. of our mind, and we're, yeah. we're not really breaking out of that circle. Have you yeah. seen anything um with since the documentary re- uh, released that you're able to have a conversation with individuals that are supporting bill 21 and maybe maybe progressive conversations that may right. kind of challenge each other's ideology do you see that happening yeah yeah so i, I think i totally agree with you it's super important to stay um vigilant and, and to to understand that we oftentimes fall into our echo chambers and to recognize that um, we're not just preaching to the choir here that we are, are working to get these perspectives to a wider community. And I think a struggle that we faced was definitely COVID. So prior to COVID-19 hitting, we actually, right on the cusp of when COVID went um, really, really viral, like just it, everything shut down, we actually had a tour planned from all the way from, that started in Montreal and finished in Vancouver, where we had premieres of the film um, set to be released. Um, yep in every single city. And so I think that's where we were seeing a lot of interactions and, and, and moments of change that I'm sort of like, I, I am at the same time, I understand uh, situations are as they are like, there's nothing we could have done, but we actually got reached out to by a professor from Newfoundland that connected with us and wanted us to do a premiere in Newfoundland as well. So just, we knew we were making waves when people that we didn't know were reaching out to us and telling us, you know, come out here and premiere it here. And I think, while university campuses are very progressive, but you notice that um, they are spaces where a lot of progressive conversations take place and, and lead the charge when it comes to change. So I think the university spaces were super important to me that we were able to work within these different spaces that, um, you know, uh, uh, would would bring these conversations to light and bring some of these, highlight some of these different perspectives and, and maybe even innovate some solutions and some ideas of how to step forward and, and mm-hmm. how to keep moving in this positive direction that, that um, brings us together as a community. So uh, another another group that reached out to us was the Faith and Spirituality Center at University of Calgary that did a virtual screening. Um, so I think, I think attempts are being made. Uh, we're trying to get across to mm-hmm. various audiences. And um, one thing also that we're kind of limited with right now, we're going through a cycle of applying to film festivals. And in that, we have to keep our film exclusively um, private. It can't be on any public forums for free. It can't be um, readily available. And it's it's really sad that that's the case, but that's almost like the way that things are. So in order to apply to film festivals, you have to keep exclusivity um, which is why, for a temporary time time being, we've we've made Upwork available just on our personal website. Um, but even when we're we're ne- we're negotiating right now with Amazon as well to get the movie onto Amazon Prime, um, but even there wow. we need exclusivity. So had we had put it on YouTube or channels that were more readily available to the public, 
um, we wouldn't have this opportunity to kind of get it to these other spaces. So um, it's almost like the the system is built on exclusivity. So that's sort of how we're navigating our way through it right now. But eventually the hope is that we're able to put it on all public channels where people are able to interact and engage with it. Um, uh, but yeah, so it, it, it's just almost like with due time and, and slowly through the, we're just working through these processes of, of getting our movie through some of these places. And I think film festivals are also a place where we've been able to submit our movie to 20 different film festivals. And there's been like 10 to 20 judges at each film festival that have reviewed our movie. So that's an easy four or 500 people that have watched our movie that probably didn't know what, what this sort of situation really entailed, um, that got a bigger, more in-depth, fuller understanding of the bill. And, um, most recently we haven't announced it yet, but, um, Exclusive here on the Element First, <laughs> we we won our first film festival award, which was super dope. Ooh, um, congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, so that was super exciting. I think just going through the whirlwind of sort of the application process and getting into film festivals and being accepted, and then sort of seeing what these processes are like, were super like it was an educational learning moment for me. But um, it also it's also a challenge, right? So I think recognizing those challenges were important too. That in order to apply to these places, you have to stay exclusive, which sort of hindered our, our ability to reach more diverse audiences. And I just want you to know, Stephen, like the conversation is happening. It's happening yeah. everywhere because uh, like a week ago, I was in a, a virtual meeting phone call with Justin Trudeau and it was with all these other organizations like these women that were advocating for South Asian women and it's a lot of grassroots organizations that were basically speaking on women, women's rights, South Asian women in specific, and they brought up Bill 21. Like, they kind of called him out, like, straight up right there and one of the organizations, and they said, like, we can't allow laws like this to pass because it's it's putting us even further back. It's so discriminatory. And so, this is a topic for those that, even for individuals that may not be uh, living in Quebec, this, this, everybody is in uproar everybody yeah, as your absolutely. as your title says everybody is in uproar and those that have the um platforms that are doing their part in trying to get the word spread and so we can challenge and change such advocacy laws. groups yeah um yeah. i do want to say though we do have to go on a break um before I, we go and before we go steven could you tell everyone where they can find you where they can find the film and if they want to yeah. contact you um all that kind of information for sure so um for just a limited time before we might have to take the film down we did put the film up for streaming on um our website on revivefilms.ca slash uproar um you can find that link at uh, revive films on instagram twitter um at gullum creations k-a-l-a-m-c-r-e-a-t-i-o-n-s um on instagram twitter facebook so those links are all available on our social media to be able to stream that it was i think it was important for me to get that film to our friends and family that wanted to support us i think that's the big reason for why we threw it up on our website to be able to stream it um, there's a lot of folks that were trying to give us donations or, or support the film or try to get behind the movement and try to support us in the earlier processes. Like I know we were originally set to release this next year, um, given that the premiers weren't taking place, but, um, I wanted to make this film available. So in case somebody wanted to watch it or people wanted to get in tune with this film and watch it prior to when we released it or prior to when it got onto some of these streaming sites, it was available. 
Um, but yeah, our social medias, our websites, and um, those are those are the spots where you could come watch this film, stream it, and um, if you have any questions at all, feel free to send us a DM. I've been getting a lot of messages on Instagram, which I've been super super grateful for, and um, it's really neat and interesting to be interacting with um, new faces, new names, and just people from the community being like, um, this is super cool, like, what, where did you get this idea from, and like, where is this moving, and just updating people through our social media, so um, always open to the DMs, send us a message, and uh, we'd love to connect with anyone who, has, who wants more information. Awesome, cool. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Stephen, for joining us all the way from Calgary, from Berta. Um, And we hope to have you on soon again. But you guys are tuned into The Element here on News Talk Saga 960 AM. We're going to go on a break and we'll be right back. So stay tuned. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everyone. We are your girls, Summon and Grijoth, here on The Element, and we are in the final stretch of our program. And uh, on that note, we have come to, you know, our Dear Society, Dear Brown Parents uh, segment. And today I got a message to all the Quebecers out there um, or all the folks that support the Bill 21. Dear 66% of you. <laughs> I, I mean, they're all across Canada. There, there's probably so many in the GTA. I know, I meant within Quebec yeah. that voted for the bill. <laughs> Dear Bill 21 supporters, are y'all out of your mind? Like, do you not think that people deserve equal rights? Have you, do you, did no, you not like take don't, this? According to them. Like, I don't understand where you get that thought process from because all of our laws in this country are based on Judeo Christian or come from Judeo Christian values, right? So, our law in itself, our settler colonial law in itself of Canada, um, it comes from a religious like religious book like it comes from a certain set of religion so it cannot be unbiased right and we are working to undo those unbiased laws right like the same way we have fought you know against abortion rights we have fought against you know um the anti-LGTB groups right now in Canada, we can actually have, you know, gay folks get married, right? We're allowed to have gay marriages. We're allowed to have abortions. We're allowed to have access to safe things. And that's all. And we, we still have people pushing back, right? So we have worked on dismantling these very biased laws. So how do you... Like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, your child's going to get converted by the nurse that gives them their flu shot like in what like what and like if you don't see a turban or you don't see a hijab then all of a sudden their religion disappeared while they're on in in enrolled the people spend a lot of money and time and energy and effort to even get these jobs in the first place like they go to school they go to university they put in all their time money energy and effort to gain these positions and these roles and all of a sudden that means nothing like their education means nothing thing just because of what they're wearing you see how racist that is like you got beef with what people are wearing this is 2020 bro it's canada like there is a melting pot of all sorts of religion like when are people gonna get over it i don't understand like what is your beef with everybody else like following different religions like this ain't like the 18th century or like 16th 17th when whenever the world and there was crusaders like that's over and like even going off of that point where we talk about um we talk a lot about hate right we talk about you know the reason why they they're against this law is because they fear you fear you hate what you fear 
That's not necessarily true, right? When it comes to color, you are just a white supremacist. I think that you are you are racist. There's no other words. It's not that you fear another color. It's that you're racist and you're trying to hang on to white supremacist roots. You're trying to make you know, a country be majority white. That's why you hear the narrative. The immigrants are taking over. This person's taking you know, over. Because uh, I, I don't like spiders. I don't like snakes. But I don't, like, I fear them, but... I don't hate them. You know what? Another thing that um, is highlighted in the documentary, but I think it's important to say, I think a lot of people, when they see people of color, they think that they just got off a boat. Bro, Quebec and BC, they're both by the water. There are families that have been living there for over 100 years. Just so you know, there are families that aren't first gen kids. They are families that contributed to fighting within the war. They contributed to your sovereign like come on like please please educate yourself before you even go around thinking that every other colored person is an immigrant and by the way all immigrants aren't colored (laughs) and that being said um, we have come to the end of our program for today we want to thank everyone for listening we want to thank Stephen for coming on again you can catch the film at revivefilms.ca slash uproar you can catch them on their Instagram which is revive films or on Gullum collect uh, Gullum um, arts so it's K-A-L-A-M dot A-T-A-R-T-S on that note, um, Gurjoth and I are very grateful for you guys being here today and tuning in to us. If you want to reach out to us, you guys can reach us uh, reach out to us at The Element, T-H-E-E-L-E-M-N-T. And uh, stay tuned for more great programming. We are The Element and we are dropping our mics. <laughs>